Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Chronicle sports writer Rusty Simmons, who has been a big help with our Golden State coverage. During our conversation, we fielded readers pressing questions about everything from a potential Damian Lillard trade to Jordan Poole's ceiling. Rusty, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, it's been a couple of weeks and we're officially, you know, kind of in the doldrums of the offseason, at least for the Warriors. I know the, the NBA playoffs are still going on. There's been some interesting developments in the playoffs that could potentially impact the Warriors down the line. And we'll, we'll be getting into that. Um, but right now it's kind of the calm before the storm before uh, draft lottery in a couple of weeks. You know, there's been a couple of little newsy tidbits that have emerged. Um, Jaron Collins uh, left the Warriors, uh, is pursuing coaching opportunities elsewhere. It's not a huge surprise given that uh, Steve Kerr said a few days before that, that he was expecting changes to the coaching staff, that things were getting a little stale. Um, if you would ask me of the main assistant coaches, which one would probably be on the move, I would have guessed Jaron, just because I knew he was really interested in moving up the ladder on the bench. And, and as long as Mike Brown's there, he's not getting that top assistant job. So that makes sense to me. I don't think it was any actual issue internally. I think it was just sometimes you need a change. Things can get a little uh, – get a little stale when you you have the same group around for a while. Um, and then outside of that, you know, the Daryl Morey tweet for <laughs> Daryl Morey getting, getting fined 75 K as well as the 76ers getting fined 75 K uh, for his tweet. That was pretty blatant tampering. I mean, <laughs> if you looked up tampering in the dictionary, you would have a picture of that tweet. He literally screenshotted uh an Instagram post of Steph congratulating his brother, Seth, who plays for the 76ers on a big game and said, join him. Right. <laughs> wow. It's like, I know he's a really smart guy. Like I think he went to MIT. Like he's a brilliant basketball mind in a lot of ways, but he needs to learn how to use social media or maybe just stay off of it. I mean, you know, when when something's not good for you, you should just avoid it. Like, if you have a drinking problem, stop drinking. If you, right. you know, if you uh, if you cannot go on social media without making an, an egregious mistake, and keep in mind, this is the same guy who made such a bad, such a ill-advised tweet a couple of years ago that he cost the league hun- millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, you know, <laughs> then, uh, then maybe you should learn from it. At least, uh, if nothing else, at least run it by somebody before you put it out, right? Like, there's a reason why we have editors, and and that helps us sometimes too. I'm not sure we we would have done something so egregious, but at least we have somebody look at it before it goes live. And uh, yeah, you would think you would think Maury would learn that then, by now. And then he comes out and tries to defend it. And, you know, obviously everyone's like, wow, you're tampering. And then <laughs> right. His response is, oh, no, that was just uh, – I don't even remember exactly what his explanation was, but it was something to the effect of, oh, we're just – you know, that was just to, you know, say that we're so happy to have Seth. It's like, dude, that's literally not what you wrote. But <laughs> right. anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so we're going to do another mailbag pod this week. Um, there's just – a lot of good questions out there, a lot of kind of things percolating that I think uh, fans want to know about. And given 
the fact that I'm expanding my scope and doing some some non-warriors enterprise. I don't have the the bandwidth, unfortunately, right now to do a written mailbag each week. So I think it's good to to do it on the pod. Um, there's so many little. This is one thing I love about the playoffs is like one team loses it earlier than maybe people thought, and everyone's like, "Oh, the superstar from that team is gonna get traded. Like he's gonna ask yeah. out, and and the entire roster is gonna turn over next week, right?" <laughs> so we got a few questions along those lines, and uh, I thought one of the best ones was from at SAT underscore attic. Are we any, are we in any shape to make a run for Dame? I know wishful thinking question mark, or are we in danger of losing Draymond to Portland? Um, so the, the dream, the Damian Lillard storyline is, is very relevant and very interesting. Um, obviously he played lights out in that first round series against Denver. The fact that he scored 55 points and on crazy efficient shooting set records with his efficient volume shooting in that game. And then they still lost. Um, I think really underscored the problem in Portland, which is you have this generational point guard, this guy who is probably the best player in franchise history, who's done everything for you for quite a while now. And you can't get out of the first round. This was the fourth year in five years that they did not get out of the first round. And, you know, he's, I believe 30 now you don't want to start wasting you don't want to waste what's left of his prime and I know he's been as loyal to Portland as any superstar has been to his team has said a million times like I have no intention of leaving Portland has been openly critical at times of these super teams including the Warriors um, saying that he wouldn't do that that he's a loyal dude but you know when you're in a situation like this where you can't get out of the first round and you're playing at an MVP caliber level, like it has to reach a breaking point where you're like, dude. And also they just fired Harry Stotts who he's very close to. And um, you know, he's openly said who he wants to be the next coach, Jason Kidd or Chauncey Billups. Um, it's Jason Kidd already said that he is not going to be, and you know, he be a candidate for that. First of all, does Jason Kidd think he's better, too good for Portland? Like, like what, what, what a this, weird like, response, ego, right? Yeah. It's like, you haven't proven anything as a head coach, and you're already, like, bowing out of the Portland race? Like, why? Like, uh, sorry, it's just a frustration for me. But maybe that's the Portland, the Portlander in me. But, uh, and, um, and then Chauncey Billups, but obviously both point guards. So we'll see, we'll see what happens um, there. But if he does become available, do you think the Warriors should make a hard run at him? I, I think they will. Um, I think Mr. Lakeup has shown in the past any big name that is out there, they're going to at least test the waters on it. So I think they will make a run at him. Um, I, and I think you hit it on the head. I think the the coaching search is going to be key for Dame. Um, he has been as loyal and as hard a worker for any franchise um, that I can think of. And even – in his frustration, the tweet after losing again in the first round, I think was, was simply that was key to the moment frustration. I, I, I sense that he'll go back to Portland, but I think the, the coaching search is huge. If, if he's not involved in that, if it's not um, who he wants to come in, I, I think this could be a real situation where he starts mm-hmm. deciding where he wants to go. And in the NBA, 
the players have more power than the franchises. And if he wants out of there, um, it makes sense that he would want to come back home to be in the Bay Area and, and the Warriors should make a play at it. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I think that honestly the, the problem with not to get too in the weeds with the Portland situation, but their, their biggest problem I think is Neil O'Shea, uh, their, their GM. He's, he has had a couple good moves, but overall I think um, he's really hamstrung. Their roster uh, has overspent for some guys uh, and, 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 he had such a bad off season a couple of years ago when they had a ton of cap cap room that I felt like it set the entire organization back like two or three years. Um, and I think, I think he's, he's the one who really needs to move on. I, I, I thought I didn't, I didn't oftentimes the coach is the scapegoat. I didn't feel like Terry Stotts was necessarily the problem. I just felt like it was the roster and that ultimately falls on to Neil O'Shea. But as far as Lillard, I mean, if you're looking at the potential fit with the Warriors it's a really interesting fit it's not it's not an obvious fit I mean obviously he plays the same position as Steph Curry um, so how do you play them together and Clay Thompson um, I think you could do it though I think if if Clay would be willing to move to 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 small forward for anyone, it would be for someone like Damian Lillard. You know, um, I think Steph is actually better at playing off the ball than Damian. So I guess Steph would probably be kind of like your shooting guard in that scenario, which he could do. Um, uh, and, you know, I think they're the two best point guards in the league. Uh, they're the, probably the two best shooters in the league. Um, you know, Damian Lillard might be the most most clutch player in the league. Um, so I, I love the fit in that regard. Um, I think at the end of the day, the NBA is all about talent. Um, and if you can get the two best point guards in the league playing next to each other, I think you got to do it. But, and you figure think about, out think about the opponent, think about the opponent trying to game plan for Stephen Curry and Dame Lillard. Like I just have visions of the all-star game of, those guys started to shoot at the logo and then that was too easy. So they started to shoot from half court. I mean, it, imagine, imagine trying to set up a defensive assignment for that. It would be fascinating. And, and I actually think they could coexist because they're two of the more unselfish yep. uh, superstars in the league. I think they would figure it out. Um, and of course there's the obvious storyline of, of Damien coming back to the Bay um, Oakland native um, that there's a lot there. So, and, but from a, just beyond the actual on-court product, if you're looking at the timeline, it would be kind of perfect for the Warriors too, because Damien's a few years younger than Steph. Um, you're potentially extending their, the team's window a little bit. You know, he's a, he's about a year younger than Draymond and Clay. And so then you're looking at, you know, once, once, um, Steph is 34 next year. Damian's only 31. And the reality is that if Damian does become available, there's going to be so many, um, there's going to be so many teams going after him and teams are, teams are going to be mortgaging their futures. Teams are going to be giving every draft asset that they, they can put together. They're going to, they're going to be putting together 
doing everything they can to put together the best package for a player like that. And um, the Warriors have some good assets, but you wonder if it's enough. Um, you know, the obvious, the obvious, uh, the obvious package right now would be top three protected pick for Minnesota. Um, Andrew Wiggins, the James Wiseman, and then as many other first round picks as you can throw in there. I mean, you're probably your, your other lottery pick from this year. Um, and then as many first round picks as you can find basically, um, every other first round pick for the next six years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, would you rather, in, would, would Portland rather, and I think that was the question with Draymond, you know, would you have to give up Draymond, um, to get, Clay, would you even maybe have to, or to get Damien, would you even maybe have to get, give up Clay? Um, that's what I almost, that's what I almost said at the beginning when you were talking about the fit of Steph and Dame and moving Clay to small forward was, I think Clay would have to be in that deal. Um, but yeah, I, there are so many, so many. Yeah, you, I mean, do you, are you willing to give up Clay? I mean, that, that would be such a hard decision. That would be such a hard decision on so many levels, but if there's anyone that they'd be willing to give up clay for you gotta think it'd be someone like damian lillard um so yeah i mean it's an intriguing possibility you also wonder like if he demands a trade how much leeway is he gonna is he gonna have in terms of where he goes like you know you gotta think that golden state would be at near the top of his list of teams he would want to go to and so you know i know some other teams that can put together a good offer would be like the Knicks. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think, I don't think that he's a guy who feels the need to be in a situation where he's in a huge market. I don't, I mean, he was in Portland for a long time and, and has been happy there. Um, but the Knicks, uh, the Heat could put together something with like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, the Knicks could put together like RJ Barrett, a bunch of first round picks. Uh, the Bulls could do Zach. Levine and a bunch of first round picks. Um, so I, I, but I, I do think the Warriors could have a chance, especially if they're willing to give up Clay and or Draymond. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason why um, I don't completely dismiss it is you're right. There are a handful of teams who can put together better offers. But um, like I said in the beginning of this, in the NBA, the players have way more power than the franchises. So if he, if Lillard decides that he wants to go, he's going to decide where he goes. Um, and then it, and then it's up to Portland to try to get as much back as they can. But um, that's the only reason why I don't completely dismiss it is he'll, he'll decide if he wants to go somewhere, he'll decide where, and then it's just a matter of what pieces that franchise can put together. It would be absolutely fascinating. And, uh, you know, I think I, I'm going to be following this, this Portland coaching search very closely because I think yes. that, that could go a long way. And honestly, if I'm Portland right now, I'm doing anything I can to make Damian Lillard happy. Like, let him in the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, you you pick who the coach yep, is. Bro. Exactly. Yep. You hire the guy. You go. Yep. You make the phone calls. You do. You do the whole thing, man. Because at the end of the day, if Portland has any chance to be relevant in the near term at all, they need Damian Lillard. He is the most important person in that franchise history. 
being from Portland, I know the history of that fan tra- franchise really well. I don't even think it's a question anymore that he's better than Clyde Drexler. Yep. Um, that was the debate, him or Clyde Drexler. Bill Walton doesn't even deserve to be in the conversation because he wasn't healthy for more than three straight seasons. Um, so, yeah, he's he's better than Clyde Drexler. I think I think he's established himself as a legitimate top five player in this league. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, so it'll be a really fascinating thing to to monitor in terms of the superstar names that have come out there, uh, come out recently. He's definitely the most interesting as far as the Warriors. But I did get another question about another superstar who's apparently unhappy, and uh, this is from at California underscore cool. Do the Warriors have any interest in trading for Przingis if he were to be made available? Seems like a good fit for their system. Um, so we know that Przingis is unhappy in Dallas. Um, there's been reports that he's displeased with his role there, that he's frustrated and doesn't feel like he's being made a legitimate co-star to Luca that he's more of a complimentary guy, which is not, you know, what he thought was happening when he went to Dallas. Um, and then Dallas loses to the Clippers in seven games. Um, you got to wonder if they feel like it's time for a shakeup. Um, I'm not sure that marriage with, with Luca and, and Porzingis is really a long-term fit at all. Um, but when you look at Porzingis, um, I think he's w- one of those guys who's going to command a trade offer that is beyond what he can bring you. Um, you know, he's very injury prone. Um, you know, he, he, his numbers, his shooting percentages were down this year. Um, he just, he looks to lack some explosiveness. Um, and he's just not, I don't think he really has that like winning makeup that you're, that you're looking for in certain ways. Um, he's a little bit of a diva. Um, I just don't I don't love his fit actually on the Warriors. I know I know what that what that listener was saying when when um when he said good fit. I, I know like the floor spacing, the shooting and that sort of thing, but uh I actually don't love his fit on the Warriors. Um and I don't I don't think the Warriors should seriously consider going after him because to even get to even have Mark Cuban pick up the phone, you would need to do that the basic the basics of that package probably that we talked about um, with Wiggins and, and uh, you know, probably Wiseman. Um, and I'm not, I wouldn't be willing to do that. I'm not even sure I'd be willing to give up Wiggins for, for straight up right now. Like, yeah, I, I think you, I think you smacked it right on the head um, for, because he is a unicorn because there are moments where you look at Porzingis and think, Oh my goodness, this could be generational. Um, he's going to demand a huge trade package. Um, and the Warriors in Dallas have, have have been good trade partners in the past. Uh, so there is something to that. But um, I think you're right. I think he's going to demand way more than he's worth. Um, the Warriors have been great at rekindling guys' careers, about finding roles for them. I do like some of the, the fit that he could stretch the floor as a big guy. But um, I think he's going to demand way more than the Warriors should give up. Yeah, he's not like the he's not like a Damian Lillard level player, where like Damian Lillard's at a level. And there's probably only a handful of guys in the league at this level, but he's at a level where if you can get him, you give up everything you have to give to get him. Right. Yep. Like even if it means potentially parting with someone like Clay, 
you probably still do that because Lillard is at that level. We'll have more of my conversation with Rusty Simmons right after the break. The next question is from at Percy Undercourt Tsop. What do you think Jordan Poole's ceiling is? Also, if Andrew Wiggins stays on the Warriors, do you think he will continue to develop and how much? So let's focus on the Poole question. Um, this is an interesting question. I, I just wanted a podcast uh, yesterday with Wes Goldberg, uh, the Mercury News writer, Mercury News's Warriors writer. And we, we kind of got into this a little bit. And I have a hard time putting my finger on what Jordan Poole's ceiling is. Um, he's only 21. He does have this wiggle to his game. He has this X factor. He has like this star quality to him, but I'm not convinced that he will ever be a star player in the NBA. Um, he's not good at a lot of things. He's good at, he's, a, he, he's proven that he can be a capable scorer, bench scorer in this league. Um, but when he's not doing that, I'm not sure how much he helps you win games. And his shooting still is pretty inconsistent. You look at his final numbers this season, his, I think people are surprised, will be surprised when they glance back at the numbers, how low his shooting percentages were. Um, they weren't that great. Um, he finished strong, um, but you got to keep in mind, even after he came back, he had that really nice stretch right after he came back from the G League bubble. Um, and then he went MIA for like a month. Like he didn't do much for about a month there. And then he finished really strong. And so I think right now people have a positive taste in their mouth from him of, oh, he's so good because he was big down the stretch, helped him get the eight spot in the West, all those things. But uh, I don't know. I mean, but then there's, there's another part of me that's like, he's 21, you know, and he's already shown that he he's already made a lot of progress in a short amount of time. We we've heard a million times how hard of a worker he is. Um, I think his ceiling is like a high level six man in this league. Like, like a, like a Jamal Crawford, uh, Lou Williams type. I think that's his ceiling. Do I think that he'll get there? Probably not. I think I, right now, I think on this team, if you're looking at next season, there's been talk about him being like the unquestioned six man. I would not feel comfortable going into next season with that, with him as my unquestioned six man. And I said this yesterday, but if you're going to know a lot about how the Warriors offseason went based off what his role going into next season is. If he's going to next season as the unquestioned six man, the Warriors had a bad offseason. Right. Okay. But if he's going into next season as more of like a Leandro Barbosa type guy, you know, like a guy who is going to get meaningful minutes, but his production is kind of icing on the cake. It's not, it's not essential to winning and losing. You know, as he if he's more of like a ninth, tenth guy, then then you probably had a pretty good offseason. You probably got, you know, a proven six-man type um, and a couple other really solid complimentary pieces. And that's what you want. You, you don't want him to be your six-man next year. He, can he be one long-term for you? Maybe, probably. But I don't want it to happen next season. He's still, he's still inconsistent. He still has a lot to prove. And uh, 
So I would say that his ceiling is probably a notch or two below, you know, the, the Lou Williams of the world. I think he's going to end up being like a really quality six, seventh man in this league, but uh, which you got to, you got to consider context. I mean, the guy was the 28th pick in the draft two years ago. It's not easy to find value there. The year before he went 28th, the Warriors drafted a guy named Jacob Evans at 28th. Where's Jacob Evans right now? He's in the G League, not even playing meaning like big minutes in the G League. Like he's not even like a real G League player. So you got to be happy with that pick overall. You got to be happy with the value they're getting there. I was going to say, yeah, it's, you're not slighting him by saying that that he could be Lou Williams or Jamal Crawford. Those guys made a ton of money and have had great careers. Um, so that's not a slight at all. Um, I can see him being that, or I'm not sure if that is a ceiling or if being the top scorer on a really bad team is a ceiling, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. that's, that's probably who he is. Um, and I understand waffling back and forth on him because his game has waffled back and forth. And that's what happens with young players. Um, but you mentioned the key thing is work is undefeated. And from everything we hear, he, he works his tail off. So um, maybe he'll listen to this and say that is a slight to be considered one of the best six men in the league, but uh He'll keep working for it and try to do something better, I'm sure. Next question is from at days underscore doves. How screwed are we if Uber walks and we don't get anything in return, not even a TPE? Um, how screwed are they? Um, well, it wouldn't be good um, because, as we've talked about before, they they don't really have any other pass to add a player of that caliber. Um, and honestly, when I look at what's available and their, their potential options this off season with Ubre, I can't help, but feel like they missed an opportunity at the deadline. Um, they decided not to trade him. Um, my understanding is it was, it wasn't a lack of willingness. They actually wanted to trade him, but they didn't like any of the offers they got. And from what I heard, the best offer, <clears throat> the best offer they got was, Spencer did Woody straight up for Ubre. At this point, given what we know, given the situation, I would do that trade. Like uh, Spencer did when he has a player option for next season. So it's not even a guarantee he would like, he would actually play for you next season. And he had the ACL this year. So he wasn't playing for you this season. So that's why the Warriors didn't do it because they were like, we can be getting back a guy that we don't even know is ever going to play for us. But I think the Warriors should have, taken the swing and, and gambled on it um believing that their culture and their fit would win out and that they could talk him into coming back next season um when he's healthy and spencer dinwiddie a healthy spencer dinwiddie is a very good player he's a winning player which i'm not which i do not think that Ubre is um you know spencer dinwiddie when he's healthy could slide into that six man role and be a very good six seven man for a winning team and uh, I think he fills some needs for this team um, as a secondary playmaker, uh, that kind of guy. And so I actually, when I heard, when I learned that they uh, turned that down, I understood the reasoning, but I was also like, you need to think a little bit more picture, I, big picture. I think their thought process was he can't help. We want to get someone who can help us win this season and that we can guarantee he's going to be on the team next season. Well, Spencer Dinwiddie, as a player when he's healthy is better than any other player you were going to get for Ubre. And honestly, 
this season now this past season didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things he didn't make the playoffs anyway so um i think that was a missed opportunity and uh i think right now your best case scenario probably is just trying to parlay Ubre into uh into a traded player exception a big one but a lot of things need to happen for that to happen i think it's more likely that he just signs with someone else i mean because he wants to start and i think i think the knicks maybe makes sense um i i think he i think he'd make more sense just making a lot of money on a bad team uh, a team that's not really well run because i would not pay him a lot of money i don't think he's a great player i don't think he's a winning player he's been he's had a negative plus minus his entire career they were so much worse this season when he was on the floor um yeah, he puts up numbers, but like he's not even that efficient shooting. Like I, I think he's overrated defensively. I don't love him as a player, and uh, you know I think there's a lot of front offices out there who aren't super well run who will probably give him money at some point this summer. Yep, you just that was exact. That's exactly right. Um, I, the the option is they're probably going to end up getting a trade player exception for this. It's probably not going to be a sign and trade for somebody who can help you. Um, but the the one reason why there could be something there is you're right. The kind of franchises that are going to go after Kelly Oubre are poorly run franchises, right? So you're you're dealing with a front office that you might be able to get something back from. Um, you might be able to weasel something out of this. That's the only reason why I think there is a possibility for something there is the kind of franchises that are going to be in the market for Kelly Oubre are the kind of franchises that you can fleece and get something back. So uh, the, the Warriors could get something out of this. I'm guessing that it's probably just going to be a traded player exception, but there is a possibility you can get something out of this. Next question is from Epic Bot Gamer. Who is a possible replacement assistant coach for the Warriors? Is Lloyd Pierce a possibility? Um, that's a good question. And, you know, the news just broke yesterday about about jaron collins um i've been busy working on some other projects so outside of writing the news or i haven't had a ton of time to like think about possibilities um but the first name that comes to mind is lloyd pierce um lloyd pierce i know is friendly very friendly with steve kerr um they're kind of of the same ilk they think similarly about offense they think similarly about player development about how to run an organization how to run a team uh they're both very uh social justice oriented uh they're not afraid to get political um lloyd pierce i think the biggest the best thing he did in atlanta was actually not even on the court it was uh everything he did during the pandemic when everything happened with george floyd in terms of organizing a group of coaches uh you know to to speak out and 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 kind of helping the league with, with those types of issues, I think he is, a, I've interviewed him. He's a great person, um, but you can't help but look at how much better Atlanta is without him and wonder how good of a coach he is. Uh, Nate McMillan takes over. Nate McMillan was his assistant. Nate McMillan takes over as the head coach. They go from probably missing the playoffs to being one of the hottest teams in the league, uh, you know, a chance to make the Eastern Conference Finals, so. I'm not sure how great of a coach he actually is, but he is, but he is a Santa Clara alum, San Jose native. Um, you know, I think as an assistant, he could definitely provide value. Also, you know, he used to be with the Warriors. You probably know him, right, Rusty? I do. Yeah. And, and you, you said it. Um, he's a Bay Area guy from San Jose, went to Santa Clara. 
um, has worked for the Warriors before, is loved in the franchise. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, and I was on the other side of this. When he got fired, uh, I thought Atlanta had made a mistake, but <laughs> the numbers speak for themselves. What Nate McMillan did there uh, afterward, the run that Atlanta's on is is remarkable. Um, I, I think Lloyd will get another chance to be a head coach in the league. Uh, so it's kind of up to him. Does he want to take the third chair with the Warriors um, as a stepping stool back to a head coaching job? I'm not sure that they're done with their coaching changes in terms of like, I think there might be another guy or two who leaves and I wouldn't be shocked if Mike Brown left. Um, I've he's got to, he's got to get head coaching offers this off. Season. Yeah. I've talked to Mike Brown uh, and Mike Brown's been open with me. Like I'm ready for the next thing. Yep. Um, and usually when people start thinking like that, um, they'll find the next thing. Um, I, I, if he can't get, if he can't get a, uh, a head coaching job in the NBA, I honestly, like, I don't know his feelings on this, but I think he should look at being a head coach at college. I think his mm -hmm. skill set um, and how he operates would be really well suited for college. Um, I think he'd be a phenomenal recruiter. I think he's, he's always, he's the hardest working guy on the staff and college is all about the grind. College coaching is much more of a grind than NBA coaching. And I think that he would kill that. Like if I was an AD for a high level athletic department, I had a head coaching vacancy for my basketball program. First person I'm calling is Mike Brown. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I, you know, I think if, if you have the top assistant job open, I think Lloyd Pierce would make sense. Yep. If, if it's just the Jaron's call, Jaron Collins role, I'm not as sure. If if it is the Jaron Collins role, I wouldn't be I would not be surprised at all if uh, Steve hired a woman. Um, he's talked about wanting to hire a woman. Um, you know, he said that he was kicking himself for not hiring um, Lindsey Gottlieb from Cal. Um, they had a relationship. Uh, he didn't think to hire her for whatever reason, and then she went and got the for the, got the Cavaliers job. She's now actually at USC. Took the women's job at usc which i think surprised a lot of people like she was a big trailblazer taking the Cavs job seemed to really be happy in the nba and then she left for kind of what would have been a lateral move as another pac-12 coaching job for a women's program but you know um so i don't know maybe you you see if she wants to, she's actually willing to leave usc again or uh, <laughs> uh, but i think i'm sure there's uh, some other female candidates that would make sense i obviously becky hammond seems pretty entrenched right now in san antonio she, her next move is probably a head coaching job um but i'm sure there are female candidates out there who would make sense you know you could find a lindsey gottlieb type who's super proven at the college level maybe like a don staley or or someone like that who is willing to make the move to the nba um I think this is a good opportunity for that type of move. And, um, you know, you can kind of ease that person in and then, you know, not just throwing them into the lead assistant role, e ease them in and uh, help them get comfortable in just a normal assistant role. They, they've got the candidate like 30 feet away there in the studio. Coach Azy's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and she knows, she knows hoop obviously, but she knows the warriors really well too. So I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, our next question is, and this will be our last question. This is from Matthew War, Kansas. Justinian Jessup make rotation next year? Question mark. Um, does the so does does 
man, that's a tongue twister. Right. Justinian Jessup make the rotation next year. I'm glad you had to say that. Uh, and I've talked about him a decent amount because there's a ton of interest in this guy who has not played a game in the NBA. Um, I did a story on him toward the end of the season, talked to him actually in Australia, uh, went on the phone from, from Australia. Um, he put up really, really impressive numbers in Australia. Um, and he, in the Australian league is not the Euro league, but it's, it's also not a horrible overseas league. I mean, you look at the rosters in Australia, it's filled with former NBA players. Um, you know, the, the, he was probably the, he was arguably the best player on his team, Australia. And the other really good player on the team was, Tyler Harvey, who was uh, like one of the nation's leading scorers at Eastern Washington a few years back, was a second round pick in the NBA. Um, but his final numbers in Australia were he averaged 13.3 points per game on 42. Oh, actually, I'm looking at these right now. They're worse than I thought, uh, which which means that he he struggled toward the end of the season. Um, but he finished with. 13.3 points per game on 42.9% shooting, 34% from three. Um, as of a few weeks before the season ended, um, he was shooting around 40% from three on a very high volume. He ended up finishing, uh, you know, he shot, um, you know, he shot six, six threes per game. Um, and, uh, you know, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get too concerned about the fact that his numbers dipped. My guess is that he was a little worn down, you know, coming from the college game, uh, playing in a totally new environment. Um, he won't, regardless of his role next season, he won't be asked to log big minutes. Um, what do you What do you think is going to happen with him and the Warriors next season? I'll remind you of what you said about Jordan Poole that uh, if he's the sixth man next year, the Warriors had a bad off season. <laughs> if, yeah. if, if Jessup is in your rotation next year, the Warriors had a bad offseason. Um, I don't think it hurts to bring him to summer league or to training camp even to help him start to get that experience. Um, but what's better than playing 35 minutes a night in a good league? I mean, sending him back over and letting him continue to work and develop makes a ton more sense than sitting on an NBA bench and playing a couple minutes. Yeah. And um it's a low it's a low stakes situation yeah absolutely the they're in a good position um you know they have his rights they can send him back over a year still maintain his rights um to me in terms of him getting a roster spot it's probably gonna it could come down to him and michael Mulder. um you know do you want to give that spot to him or Mulder? uh you know the thought process in giving it to him would be he's bigger he's got a bigger wingspan he can he's he's you know potentially better defender you would think hopefully um he but he would fill a very similar role to what Mulder did this season and I know something a lot of people are really down on Mulder like I, I'm doing these warrior season reviews and my uh in my in my review of Mulder I said that he's proven he's a legitimate NBA player to which I got a ton of backlash on an email social media like people saying i'm an idiot for saying he's a legitimate nba player i think it's fair to say he's a legitimate nba player that doesn't mean he's a high level rotation player i just said that he deserves a place in the nba on a roster somewhere that's all i was saying no you're, you're absolutely right he, he is an nba player and he's proven that and every time i think 
that he's not. He does something else that I didn't know he could do. Um, I'm kind of in that camp that probably would have sent you a mean email because I think he's just a shooter. And then next thing I know, he's way more athletic than I thought. Great athlete. <laughs> he is. He's got an amazing vertical. He's got huge hands, good wingspan. It's safe to say he's an NBA player. Yeah, he's an NBA player. Um, but if if that role is not one that's going to matter that much next season because you made a bunch of good additions in the offseason, I would rather take the flyer on Jessup just to see what he can give you Yeah, yep. in the low-stakes role. Um I also would be interested in maybe giving him just a two-way next year. I like that more. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, yeah, obviously, yeah. I, I think I think the two-way could be well spent on someone like him. You know, you could send him to Santa Cruz and see what yep. he does down there. Um, if it's between him and Nico, uh, Nico Mannion on the two-way next year, I'd probably rather have Jessup just to see what he can provide. Um, but Rusty. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to our, our listeners and readers who provided a bunch of great questions. I thought, I thought you guys hit all the pertinent relevant topics and uh, you know, you're making our jobs easy. So uh, Rusty. I always, I always say we should get the readers in the budget meeting to come up with story ideas. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a big reason why I do mailbags is poor story ideas. Like I get questions that make me realize, Oh, that's something that people are interested in. And I wasn't really thinking about that and I should do something on that. So you guys are helping us do our jobs and we always appreciate it. Uh, Rusty, in case our readers and listeners are not aware of where to find your stuff, where, where can they find your stuff? As always, I say, I hope they get the hard copy of the San Francisco Chronicle delivered to their doorsteps. Um, Along with that, you get the subscription online, which you can find all kinds of things that don't even make it into the newspaper Um, and follow Connor because he tweets out everything I do. Our thanks to Rusty Simmons for joining me on the podcast. Always appreciate talking Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 